welcoming Roger into the service. All right, amen. It's always good to be in a house. We got a packed house today and more outside. And we got our Chinese translation team with uh, Sue at the back. So excellent. Why don't we just uh, spend time and pray for a little bit and uh, let God have his way. Father, we thank you that your word is what changes our lives. It's not um, the quality of the sermon. It's certainly not the quality of the speaker, but it is your pure, unadulterated word that con con um, convicts and brings about encouragement and inspiration and motivation and correction. So Lord, this morning, we ask that we would be good stewards and good hearers of Lord, discharging that which you have placed in our hearts. Lord, that we would be um, uh, hearers of the word and doers of the word. We thank you for Holy Spirit that you are here I invite you, Lord, to move in our midst. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this place with your manifest, tangible presence and let your name be glorified, Jesus, as everyone say, amen, amen. Hey, we're going to continue our service. Uh, well, well done, John Paul, by the way, from one CL to another, so uh, excellent stuff. Um, you know, we're going to continue our series on the household of faith, as Chris mentioned. The whole uh, month is really focused. I don't know if you know, but if you look at the, uh, the, the deco on stage, Jenny reminded me. Where are you, Jenny? Just uh, wave your hand. So Jenny, uh, in, in our 20th anniversary, God gave Jenny this whole idea of um, putting uh, colored jelly beans on our table. I don't know if you attended. How many were here at our 20th anniversary? Okay, and our tables, we had jelly beans. Was it jelly beans? Yeah, yeah, jelly beans, colored jelly beans, and to represent five seats, you know, the different uh, five-fold ministry, you know, F-A-I-T-H, whatever it is. And this year, um, guess what? The seats have become trees. And it's just like how God deals with us over time, little by little, slowly, things start to grow, right? So today we're going to talk about the household of faith with our clear tagline or our vision statement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? And so the colors are very significant up here. I won't go into too much detail, but purple, for example, speaks of royalty. So seeds that become um, uh, full-blown flowering trees, yeah? Um, here is the anchor verse that uh, we should all have memorized. Let us not grow. Why don't we just say this together? Ready? One, two, go. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are encouraged in this verse to not grow weary because sometimes it can get wearisome doing the same thing on and on, over and above, right? Um, you know, we are encouraged to have opportunities whenever an opportunity comes before us to grasp that opportunity and to do good, especially to those who live in the same household in our church, right? And that's not to say we forget about the world outside, but it says especially to those in this house, you know, uh, in John 13, 35, uh, Jesus says this, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The Amplified goes on to say, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. You see, the thing with love and household of faith is, you can't, you can't fake it for a weekend. You can be nice and you can fake it for a month. You can probably even fake it for six months. But for a year, two years... 25 years, it's pretty hard to fake it. And that's why we encourage people to be in home groups and, and, and get involved because 
as iron sharpens iron, as we learn to love one another and tolerate one another's idiosyncrasies, but also to tap on each other's strength, therein lies the power of the true household of faith. You know, it's not, you know, we don't just meet once a week. We actually have multiple interactions during the course of the week and certainly over the course of 25 years. You know, I'm sure we don't want to be like this elderly couple that I read about that went to see uh, their lawyer. And they said, we would like to uh, uh, put our, uh, do our will. They said, okay, very good. So the lawyer takes up his pen. Well, tell us. They said, when we die, we'd like to be cremated and our ashes scattered. So fantastic. That's good. Then the uh, lawyer says, where would you like the ashes scattered? So the husband and wife looked at each other. They thought for a while. Then they said, together in unison, they said, Costco. Say, Costco? Why Costco? He says, at least I know my children will visit me once a week. <laughs> you know? A household of faith cannot be a once-a-week thing. We are doing life together. And, uh, you know, I said to my children, when uh, I die, I want you to uh, cremate me and put me into a vase. And each of my four children, you're going to have me in your bedroom for three months at a time. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, my, uh, my eldest one is very cheeky. He's not here. He just said, uh, Dad, you know, if some spills along the way, it might end up in the Dyson, you know. <laughs> so... Uh, just be careful what you wish for. Be careful. Every family has a set of rules and, and, and governing principles and beliefs, right? Your family operates very different from my family. What you tolerate in your family may be very different from what I tolerate in mine. All of our families have our unique characteristics. Uh, for us, for example, uh, we like to eat uh, meals together as far as possible, right? Because we're all so busy. So that's one of the things we bet down. Uh, one of the things we also bet down, which I learned from Uncle Alan or Dad, is uh, to do family devotion. So we, um, you know, maybe six out of seven days a week that we actually sit down and read the Bible together before the kids go to bed. You know, I have to bribe them with ice cream and dessert, but that's okay. At least they get the Word of God in. Um, this family is no different. If you think about the church comprising of us micro-families, together we are the family called Full Gospel Assembly Melbourne. This particular church, this household of faith, also has a series of beliefs and values and culture. These uh, we put together in an acronym F-A-I-T-H. You can see that on the board, uh, on, the, on the screen behind me. But the, you know, the faith acronym informs how we behave. The faith acronym tells us um, what are the things that we hold tightly and what are the things we hold loosely. We want to be faithful to God's mission. We want to be active and personally involved, which is what I'll be talking on today. We want to be intimate relationally. That's why I'm really glad. I think Pastor Weissy was saying 75% or 80% of us actually go to a home group. That's how we can be intimate relationally, not once a week. Uh, kind of thing. We want to be teachable in discipleship. So it's not just about teaching or knowing the Word of God. I mean, last week was fantastic with Pastor Mark. He's gone. We want to keep on putting, learning the Word of God. Why? Because we want to be true disciples. It's not just for head knowledge, because you can get that from reading a book or staying at home and watching YouTube. But we come here because it's about knowing the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, and applying in our lives that we might be disciples of Jesus. Yeah? And finally, you know, as again, each of the FAITH aligned with the fivefold ministry, H for holy and set apart, that we are set apart for God's use. We are set apart for God's use. Amen? So to help me preach today, I want to tell you a story. In fact, I want to show you a story um, 
So the story goes a bit like this. Um, uh, many years ago, uh, the planet Earth was, uh, saw imminent danger. There was a swarm of alien invaders uh, coming to attack planet Earth. And so they mustered up their best fighter pilots to go and try to defend planet Earth. Uh, and uh, there was a big battle that went on, and uh, Earth was, uh, uh, and uh, the enemy's plans were thwarted by the heroics of a very, very uh, clever uh, pilot. And, uh, and so uh, Earth then enjoyed a period of peace for 50 years. Fast forward to uh, now. So 50 years have passed. The leaders of planet Earth have said, never again are we going to allow an alien to invade us. So they begin to bolster up their armory. They begin to train uh, people. They begin to get their defenses ready. One of the strategies that the commanders of planet Earth did was they went to look out for young people who were protégés and, 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 and um, very, very clever because they decided that we were not going to fight just in a fighter plane uh, or in a spaceship, but we're going to fight through computer games and computer simulation. So enter the hero of our story called Ender Wigan. Ender Wigan is a teenager, a child protege, and a genius, a mathematical genius. And the story opens up and tells us that, you know, over time, Ender gets spotted by these leaders. He gets promoted. He has to deal with, you know, bullying in, in this battle school. And uh, he moves teams. One graduation step at a time. And finally, Ender is now ready and they give him his own squadron to lead, all via computer simulation. As part of the training, they have um, simulated uh, being attacked as well as going to the enemy's land and to attack the enemy's planet. So the day is set for the graduation, viewed by all of the commanders of planet Earth for Ender Wigan and his team. If they beat the game, then guess what? They get to graduate and they become heroes. Are you ready? Let's play the clip. The shield will hold forever. We don't need forever. 30 seconds. I still don't have a clear shot. We're burning up. Bean, on my count, accelerate your fighters from the nodes of the formation in a continuous stream. Yes, sir. Like bullets from a rifle, you will clear a visual for Petra. We will drill a hole through the swarm. Petri, you'll only get a second. That's all I need. In three, two, one. Now beam. Shield! Fire, Pex, we're out of time! 
We did it! How about that? Game over. What's he saying? Restoring Ansible Connection. Watching these images. Ender. Thank you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank God for your son. Why are these images in the program? Ender. What do you mean we won? I beat him. He runs the simulations. He said it was a game. It was them or us, Endo. There was no other way. With this victory, you've won all future battles. You destroyed them for all of us. Afraid if we told you, you might. You what? Refuse to play? I've killed an entire species. They would have done the same to us. No, they waited. What were they waiting for? Who cares? We lost a thousand men on the transporters you abandoned. I abandoned them in order to win. Yes, and they died proudly for us. They might not have died at all. If I'd known it was real, I would have... What? Called for a dialogue? They can't even speak. Watched them. What were they thinking? Were they building an army for a second invasion? Or or simply preparing to defend Ender, themselves stop. from us? They came to Earth to establish a colony. We chased them away, and in 50 years, they never returned. It makes no difference now. I will bear the shame of this genocide forever. No. You will be remembered as a hero. I will be remembered as a killer! It was us or them. And you're sure we've killed every last one of them? I saw their whole planet destroyed. How do you know there isn't another colony or another queen there out there? We won! 
That's all that matters. No. The way we win matters. We won. That's all that matters. No. The way we win matters. Did you like it? It was uh, from the clip, uh, one of my favorite movies at home called Ender's Game. Uh, a couple of uh, loud, scary scenes, but uh, it's a good, good movie. So that's, if you're taking notes today, my sermon title is The Way We Live Matters. The Way We Live Matters. Um, you know, Ender thought that it was a game. That's why he took many um, risks. He took many, he made some decisions because after all, it's only a computer simulation. But as you and I know, as we saw, it was real life. You know, like Ender, we might be tricked into thinking that um, salvation, once we get saved, uh, we go into heaven. Then whatever we do here doesn't really matter. Let's continue to you know, get a good job and let's raise our family, let's accumulate wealth, let's have a career, uh, let's, you know, raise our children up um, and, and let's make sure they go to the best universities and use our networks to uh, set them up for life um, and, and make sure that we've got something left behind. And all of those things in and of it themselves aren't bad. But you know, the way we live matters. Firstly, it matters to God. God's looking, the way we live in this earth matters. It matters to ourselves and our well-being as I will unpack Matthew 25. It matters how we live and how we treat one another, particularly if you are the one being treated and you are the recipient of that treatment. It certainly matters to the unreached that you and I see every day at university, Kevin, that you and I go to work with, sit on the train that we have do business with, or when we drop our kids at school. The way we live matters. Amen? So, as we talk about being active and uh, personally involved, ooh, all my slides aren't up there, are they? Uh, one, two, so they're all randomly moving, so bell. So, active and personally involved. You know, active means not passive. Um, I always say to the children, the plates don't mysteriously go from the sink into the dishwasher, right? It certainly doesn't happen by you watching YouTube. Right? You've got to do something. And thankfully, after 12, 15 years, they understand. You see, we all, particularly as I grow older, I like to tell people how to do. We think that's a parent's right, right? Tony and Sam, you agree? That we just like to tell them. Actually, telling is so much easier. Doing is hard because doing requires effort. Being active and personally involved, doing actually requires us to uh, put ourselves out there. Potentially, we might fail. Potentially, people might say no. Potentially, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it you know, might set us up for, dare I say, failure. So we rather tell others to do it, but not do. And the Bible clearly says, let me just be clear, that salvation comes through grace, right? Salvation comes by grace. We don't have to earn salvation. It doesn't come through good works. But once we are saved, it matters how we live because God is expecting us to do service. Remember I read Galatians, especially to the household of faith. The other thing with um, being 
per- active and personally involved. You know, if you think about being personally involved, you know, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And you fast forward 16. In the same way, let your light, you, your, you, yours, features frequently in what Jesus is saying. Why? Because he's saying, hey, just as an orchestra comprises of more than just a tuba player. Likewise, in this household of faith, we are one body with many parts. And as like an orchestra where every instrument has a particular note or a song or a cadence or a harmony and a timing of when to play and not to play, likewise, as a household of faith, we all pull together to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why? As the scripture will say here, is so that others may see your good works. Here's the word again, your service, your active and personal involvement, your active and personal involvement that they might give glory to our Father in heaven. So the good works isn't for, wow, Roger, today you preach so well. Please, you know, you know, thank you, but don't say that. It's more important like, wow, you showed me something about God. Thank you for serving me. Thank you for going out of the way and giving me a call or WhatsApping me and giving me an encouragement. Thank you for praying for me and you're pointing me to God. That really is the crux of why we do what we do. Right? That's why we do what we do. So, you know, I like what Mark said last week. You know, the scripture gives us principles. Matthew 25 is about, uh, how many of you, by the way, have done your homework and read Matthew 25? Just put up your hand. Oh, very good. And those of you who read it more than once, please keep your hands up. Well, I was going to ask you if you've done more than once, you can come here and preach, no? (laughs) Matthew 25, there are a couple of Uh, The things you need to know about a parable. A parable is a story. A story, as I tell my children, with a hook, with a spiritual truth. Jesus oftentimes uses parables to try to convey a message that the people can understand in the language and culture of their times. That's why he uses parables. Everybody say parables. Parables. Hopefully, I'll speak to you in English today and not in parables, right? Because parables, you can, it's not doctrine, but parables contain important spiritual principles that I want to unpack today as we talk about being active and personally involved, all right? So number one, if you are taking notes, uh, number one, God owns everything I have. For you will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. The fundamental truth is God owns everything. And it's easy for us to think about, well, yeah, God gives away, but you know, He gives us my car, my bank account, my job, my friendship. He gives God. But you know, if you really double-click, sometimes we overlook the fact that God owns everything. We are merely His stewards. And the parable makes it really clear like if you think about the three story, there are actually four parables starting at uh, Matthew 24, but the parables all have a consistent theme. The master of the bridegroom, the central figure, um, allocates a portion of his resources to his stewards, to the bridesmaid. He says, watch for me, right? Pay attention, right? To the um, wise and foolish servant. He puts the servant us in charge of certain things and, and he goes off, but it's actually the master's property. And one truth I've gleaned from this is, you know, God's, it's God's responsibility to give me. But it is my responsibility to discharge and to be a good steward. Right? God owns everything I have. And that is the fundamental truth. You either believe it or you don't. Because that 
cascades a whole series of then subsequent activities and actions, or in some cases, inaction. Because if God truly owns everything I have, then might I suggest to you and I that when God, we sang the song, you give and take away. Maybe it informs our posture when things are taken away. Maybe it should inform us when God says, why don't you share what we have? Because God owns everything, right? Don't hold too tight to your wallets, okay? We're only asking for funding next week, you know, not now. <laughs> Number one. Number two. I don't know whether you read this scripture when I read it earlier on. To each in proportion to his own ability. I thought, well, you know, God is sovereign. He can decide to give Chen Chi one thing. He can decide to give Daniel something else. He can decide to give Gwen gifts and talents. And, and you know, after God can give you the ability to, you know, construct complex legal uh, documents. You know, God gives us everything according to our ability, right? But, you know, I, I spent a bit more time and I went back to the original uh, Greek word, uh, ability, Actually, the word ability comes from the Greek word dunamis or dynamite. Now it suddenly opens up a whole different paradigm because rather than God giving us based on our ability and based on our own faithfulness and based on our charisma, my talent, my ability to communicate or sing or lead, God gives us based on His dunamis. And if you read the Scripture in line with Ephesians 3.20, which says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the dunamis, according to the ability, according to the power that is at work within us. This began to illustrate for me a whole new point that basically the more I want, and we always want more, but the more I want is directly relation, uh, related and directly proportioned to the amount that I yield to Him. Because it's the amount that His work, His Spirit at work in my life determines how much I get in my hands. Because everything comes from Him. Do you understand? So when God elects to give us you, that's why I said earlier on how we live matters because if you want more, if you want to make a greater impact, great. But let me show you a key to unlock. Allow Him more. Let Him have more of you. Because the more I yield to Him, then His Spirit works in me. Then I yield to Him. None of us today like the word yield. You speak to young and old. We are so enamored with our rights. Our right to be right. That we've forgotten the art of yielding to His Holy Spirit. But when we yield to God and we allow His Spirit to work in us, then this scripture and this promise, Ephesians 3.20 is not a parable. You can claim that promise, guys, right? Ephesians 3.20 is for you. And you can begin to pray, God, as I begin to yield to you, as you teach me to forgive one another, if you teach me to be faithful, Lord, your promise, you promise me that I'm going to have exceedingly abundantly more. I'm allowing you, Holy Spirit, as I forgive my brother, work in me. Fill me that I may give and do more. See, many of us sometimes we think very small. And, 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 and yes, you know, there are seasons where I had little, you know, and God had to prune me. But nowhere in my scripture that I read in the Bible where God celebrates lack. 
Yeah, but there is a key for us as we are faithful, as we allow His Holy Spirit to work in us. Amen? So far, so good? Matthew 16 says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. The hardest thing in my life, and I'm sure yours might be the same, is to lay down our right to be right. But if you want more of God, yield more to Him, and you'll, I promise, you'll have more. Number three, I will need to give an account. This is a good time where you talk to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about me. No one is saying that. I, Roger, will have to give an account to God. And so will you, Terence. So will you, Chen Chi and Sherry. And all of you, 750 people in our database, even if you're not in a database, you will still have to give an account. Might as well get your umbrella and put your name on the database. You know, all of us have to give an account for the words we speak, Jesus says, the time that he's given us, the talent, the resources. You know, um, reminds me of another story where the cop pulls up a speeding car and taps on the window and the guy on the phone says, hang on, I'm on the phone, you know. It's a joke, you know. Obviously. You didn't hear the joke. Is it? Someday, there will be a tap on the door and we, will, we can't say, Hang on, God, I was too busy accumulating wealth. I was too busy looking after my children. I was too busy tending things. Someday we all have to give an account. That's why it matters if God owns everything and we understand um, our position relative to Him, that we are His stewards, and that is we yield to Him and we are faithful with what He has given us. The amount really doesn't matter. It's the posture. Uh, and that one day we'll have to give an account. Because like all of the parables talk about, the master goes and trusts the servants with some things. The master comes back. No one knows when. Sometimes it delays it. The bridegroom delayed. They ran out of oil. Um, but, you know, the, the wise ones had extra. The parable of the wise servants, they did the right things. The parable of the talents, they invested it. And they all received a return. And there was a day of reckoning. The day of reckoning will come before each and every one of us. The day of reckoning will come. And God's going to ask us, Roger, what have you done with that which I've given you? Ooh. Oh, oh, thanks, Rochelle. She's, uh, actually, I said it, come here. Excellent. All of us have something. You have time or resources or health or gifts. God is not going to ask you to... Um, Give an account for what you don't have, Joseph. God is never going to ask you to do that, but God is going to ask you and I to give an account of what we have. Whether it's one, two, five, ten, a hundred. But God is going to ask us to give an account. That's why we say what we do with what we have matters. The way we live matters. It matters. It matters to God and certainly matters to us. Number four. Last week, we talked about the prophetic word, getting fresh eyes. Read through the scripture, this parable. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it 
to me. You know, in our modern self-absorbed world, it's so easy to ignore the needs around us, right? We're always rushing around, going from one thing. I know I'm the same. I'm in my train or when I'm flying. I always say, God, please don't put someone next to me that is a chatterbox. I just need to do stuff. And God began to convict me of that. Have you been interrupted this week, today, this month? Sometimes interruptions are, I know, distractions. But sometimes they are God interruptions. The posture I want us to encourage us as a church, as a household of faith to have, is like that of Abraham. Genesis 18, listen to this. Why was Abraham blessed? Why did Abraham get more? Why? One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent, Genesis 18, during the hottest part of the day. Right? He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them. And he welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Was if Abraham was looking for interruptions. Was looking. He could have said, it is so hot, I don't want to go there. Uh, Do I have to go pick someone from the airport? Do I have to really say hi to this person? I've already preached, I've done this, I'm serving God. Here's my badge, this is all my accolades. And God says, but what if that's the interruption? Because Abraham did what he did. He received the promise of his son. All because he was willing to be interrupted. I wonder in our lives, in our busy lives, I'm not talking only to the retirees. I'm talking to corporate people, mothers, every person. You have a schedule. You have things you have to produce. But may I ask you please to create some space for interruptions because when interruptions come you can you, you and I can be that conduit of God's blessing and that raises my final point because my service is my worship that which I do is my act of worship because Jesus says the things that you did when you didn't see you did it for me for me Huh? I thought I was just doing it for the blind guy. Or I thought I was just being kind to John Paul because he's interrupting me on my holiday in Thailand. It wasn't anyway. We had a great time chatting, didn't we? Oh, I'm like pulling somebody. Come on, let's do the anniversary. Yeah, it's like, looks good. Look, it's amazing. You know, I had chats with Sonia all the time. Come on, let's do amazing stuff. Because it's our act of worship. It's our act of worship. You know, we never know the true impact of our smile. The encouraging word or pausing to say hi to someone. You never know that. Or even a WhatsApp message that you send. But please don't send spam and all that, right? Just forward, forward, forward. Right? Make it personal. Hi, Roger. I thought you should know this. Okay. Rather than just blah, send it. There was a great American evangelist in the 1930s. And he was known to preach all across America. Fantastic preacher. When he preached, people would get saved and thousands would come. And so one day in 1934, he went to preach in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. He preached his heart out. And at the end of the day, he gave an altar call. Maybe it was a thousand today, God. Woo! Maybe 2,000, God. Woo! 
altar call came, two people came forward. Only two. The first kind of don't really count because he rededicated his life. The name of the preacher, the evangelist, was Mordecai Ham. The name of the second guy was a young, unknown 28-year-old called Billy Graham. One of the world's greatest evangelists we've ever seen. You and I never know the power and the impact of our service. That's why we have to be active and personally involved. That's why we go out of our way because you never know the power of an impact. I wonder what if Mordecai said, man, what a failure. After the two, I'm never going to preach again. Thankfully, he didn't say that. Sometimes you and I do things. I know the kitchen crew, I see Auntie Peggy, I see Uncle Ong, and I see a lot of our, you know, um, senior crowd just doing Operation Stitches. And I just want to applaud you. You know, I'm on this platform because I see the faithfulness, Uncle Roland, and I see the faithfulness, Ken, where are you? Of the years, 25 years in this household. Young people, we have a lot to learn. Where are you, Mike? 10, you're still a kid. I'm still a kid. We have lots to do, active and personally involved. Whatever you do, let's do it unto the Lord. Amen? The way we live matters. Number one, God owns everything I have. The more I yield to Him, the more I have. You and I will need to give an account of my stewardship. Lord, give me fresh eyes to see tomorrow, this afternoon at lunchtime. And my service is an act of worship to God. You know, this year is my fourth year where I kind of gave myself a holiday on a Friday. And I've been working corporate for maybe 20 odd years and I was blessed enough to land this current role where I work for myself as a consultant. And I spoke to my boss and said, I'd like to work four days. I can work four, five or six or whatever. And I just said, I want four. And I elected four years ago to say, I'm going to set aside one day. And one day to do as your bidding, God. And there are some days where I didn't have to do anything and I could enjoy my afternoon nap. I enjoy taking mom out for our date. You know, mom stays with us. But on Friday, it's our date time and we reset because my commitment to my dad is I'm going to look after my mom. Yeah, greatest thing I've ever done, more than preaching and all that stuff, that we get to look after the people who looked after us. But anyway, I remember I looked at my finance and I looked at all these things and I said, well, giving up one day 20%, wow, that's a lot because as you know, working in church as a volunteer, sometimes you get zero dollars. On top of that, you cop interests of abuse. <laughs> Why the food not hot now? Why this kind of... Sorry. 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 You learn to practice to say sorry. I learned from Chris, actually. You know, actually, Chris is one of the most humble pastors. Let's give Chris a big hand. You know, of course, you know, not only is he a friend, I remember one day we had a really tough decision about the mural outside, you know. And uh, a senior pastor can make any decision he wants. And I was quite stubborn and I wanted to keep the mural. And uh, we went on and, and, and to Chris's credit, you know, this is the senior pastor that you have. You know, half an hour after that, he actually called me and just says, Roger, I'm so sorry. I apologize for my tone. Wow. Uncle Roland saying, Roger, I can take you out this afternoon and look for a place to stay. That's being active and personally involved. My story is not unique to me. It is also your story. It is not dependent on how much is in your bank account, but it's the posture of your heart. 
you do not need to give up a day, five days, 10%, but you can give up a smile. <clears throat> you can give up, as I say to our worship leaders, on Sunday, you can serve chili. You can pick up rubbish on the way. You can say, hey, let me help you. Come in line, ahead in line of me. I remember I was sitting here um, when Mayan was preaching on Mother's Day. Um, you know, I was you know, paying attention about, you know, remember when she talked about the table of the Shumanite woman uh, and she was talking about how, you know, the woman, all she wanted was the, um, the, the healing for her loved one, her, her child. And, 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 and that which she actively wanted from God's perspective were like crumbs because there was so much more that, you know, that God wanted for her. But so he equated sometimes the things that you said, Chris, you know, when we ask God for many things, actually in his eyes, it's like just crumbs because what are things he values? In prison, you came to visit me. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I was blind and you showed me the way. These are things in the parables that God talks about that He values. Because when you, we do it for that, you do it for me. And then the thing that really got me towards the end of the service, God always does this to me. I'm sitting down here waiting. And then God, as He always does, Rochelle, He begins to drop this word in my heart. And He began to say, Roger. And I say to you now because I answered yes. He says, Roger, will you loan me your table? I said, what? Would you loan me your table? I said, what do you mean? He says, that which I've blessed you. Would you let me sit at your table and bless others through you? I'm like, God, you would want to come to my home? You want to use my gifts? Surely there are better artists out there. You want to use my keyboard playing? You want to use my cooking kitchen surely there's a master chef somewhere you want to use my my words you want to use my home group facilitation I, i'm not the best speaker get get chris or, or john paul you, you want to use the fact that I, I, my marriage is not so good but you you want to use me and god says would you let me use your table and i broke down in front and i said god i will be i would be honored i would be honored my God, I would be honored if we use my table for your use. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why we do what we do. That's why it's okay if we get the insults, I have to say sorry. It's okay. Right, Pastor Ron? You don't have to be seen a pastor now, but but God's going to ask us, can I use your table? Number one, God owns anyway. Right? Why don't we stand? Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Is God speaking to you? Oh, don't clap. <laughs> Thank you. Come Holy Spirit. You know, Bishop gave me this t-shirt. Can you see? This reminds me I really need the Holy Spirit. Hey, today I want to pray for an activation. For many of you, I want to invite you maybe out of your seats and I want leaders to come and lay hands on you and I'll pray for you. But I believe that two things I want to pray for. Number one, I want to pray for those that really come from a position of lack. And I don't despise that. 
and I, I, I acknowledge that and I know sometimes life is hard. That's fine. Come worship team. Yeah, come here. But we need to continue to remind ourselves that all that we have and even the things that we don't have, we, above all else, belong to God. And you might need that assurance this morning and you might not be in a good place. We want to love you, pray with you, stand with you. If that's you this morning, very quickly, just come forward. And when someone asks you, say, look, I'm one of those in type one. But a second group of people, I think will be the majority of our church, that you have been sitting on the fence. You've been watching while the few labor. And here's this thing I find about God. Unless you and I have some pride issue, oftentimes God is going to use us at our strength. If you're a lawyer, it's, yes, you can surf in, sorry, John Paul, Sunday school and you can do all of those things. But perhaps your skill is helping us or helping the kingdom of God craft good contracts. If you are a mother, we are not going to ask you, come and lead worship or, or preach. You can. But God is going to give you opportunity. Bell, just get me back to the Galatians, please, right at the beginning. Here's the final thing I'm going to land home. We read this verse. Let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity. Do you know what's the word for opportunity? I thought opportunity was chance. I thought opportunity was, hey, if it happens, it happens. Quen sera, sera. Opportunity comes from the Greek word kairos. Time that is predetermined, set out by God for a particular instance. And God is very specific with His kairos. Kronos is time, but kairos is specific. This morning, I want to give you a a kairos opportunity. God is knocking and says, Alan, would you be personally involved? Not tell someone. Bobby, would you be involved? And He's going to knock. Brian, will you be actively involved? He's going to knock. Roger, Will you be involved? I like the word have opportunity. I like the picture of Abraham running towards opportunity. This day, I feel in the spirit that God is going to unfold and unlock as the church goes in a new season. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And you'll be a blessing for you and your family, whether it be finance or health or goodness and mercy. And your cup will overflow in Jesus' name. If that's you this morning, just come up as I pray. And I'm going to hand over to Chris. Father, I just thank you. You have given me this word. And Lord, I just pray, aside from the vehicle and the instrument, that your word will take root and your word will grow and your word will bring forth fruit, 30, 60, even 100 fold. Lord, even as you have challenged me, even as you have placed opportunity in front of us as individuals and as a family, as church, that we would partner with you. We would run towards the opportunity and we would not see it as a disruption, but we would see and say, come God, come Holy Spirit, use me, even me, use even the meager, table that I have, I will be honoured if the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will sit by my side and use my table. I will be the donkey that the Master will sit on. It is okay. I will be God because you own everything anyway. And so this day, Father, we pray 
as we close this service, may your holy presence, may your spirit dwell as we reconcile ourselves with you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, Chris.